0: Welcome to today's episode of Forward Thinking Podcast. As always, I'm joined here with Charlie. Good morning. And today we're talking about um, what to do after you've decided to ungate your content. Now, on past episodes of Forward, we've talked about one um, of the best things you can do um, right now or a change in demand gen and... Um, really is thinking about your content strategy and um, how you can get your content to the prospect, you know, in a better way and faster. And part of that is moving away from gating everything with a form, and really thinking about, you know, when someone's actually going to give you the information, it's going to be worthwhile. And so, for some of you, that means that you've done some of that education internally and have maybe gotten everyone on board now with, okay, yeah, we should probably you know do that. Let's not gate everything. Um, but it's a little bit more complicated than that as far as actually making the switch. Um, not so much that you shouldn't do it, but we wanted to talk through, now that you've decided to ungate now what? What are the things I should think about? What are some of the steps? That are going to be um, something I need to know as to put in place, and just to make sure that once you do make that switch, that none of your reporting is messed up. All of the expectations from the team are are there, um, and and so that you know they'll really see the value for making that change. So yeah, so should we kick it off?
1: Yeah, so we're going to start with what you should and shouldn't gate, right? Yeah, because you probably can't just ungate everything. No.
0: Um, there are obvious places where you need a form and this can be either like a traditional form or you can have even a, uh, kind of a bot landing page, like with Drift. But as far as like registering for events or webinars or anything where you actually need someone's information, um, they're probably likely still going to gate that. Um, <laughs> now, uh, that makes sense, right? So you're going to do that, but for every single piece of content, that doesn't make sense. Um, and so um, I think it's really clear to actually define this and note it down for the whole team of when are we gating and when are we not. Otherwise, for a demand team that and maybe even new people that come on board who are more um, used to gating their campaigns or, or getting that new lead acquisition a bit, a bit easier, they're going to likely want to still then find a way to put on a form. So having that documented is key. So the first thing is, you know, events and webinar registrations, definitely want to gather that person's information. And if anything, t- in order to actually like trigger that whole process, you do need that. Right. Um, and then the second would be You know, your contact sales page or any place where you need to get someone in contact with a salesperson. And this can be, you know, not a form as well. You can send someone directly to book a meeting or, you know, through tools like Chili Piper or Drift Meeting. You can just have that whole process happen automatically. Um, But if not, you're going to probably want to lean on a form and then get that person's information directly to sales. a second way is, um, on that page is if you did want to gather some interest is through like a drift bot. So that can get someone directly in contact with sales as well. And through the whole process, you can still actually capture their information. Um, so obvious one there, right? You're expect to get people's, um, information there. And then, Um, The third thing is, you know, is like a subscription, like a newsletter subscription that can be a way or something of high value, like very high value, um, pushing someone to a free trial or, um, you know, sign up as a user. That's an obvious place where someone's going to convert and sign up. Um, And so that's like your third option there.
1: So basically, the simple version is if they're requesting something right, from you in terms of like where where there needs to be further communication down the line, like a the webinar, they're signing up for it, you need to, need to remind them or send them the recording afterwards, a newsletter. Obviously, if you're signing up for a newsletter, you're gonna get further emails and things like trials, demos, contact us, like they're requesting, so they have to give over their information. Where you probably shouldn't is when you're, they're just trying to read something, mm-hmm. right? just read a piece of content and they don't want to hand over their, their details. And I think although we're talking about, although this whole podcast is so you now you've decided to ungate. Um, I think it's worth touching on a little bit before we go even further is if you are struggling even to get to this point, yeah, it's, it, there are ways that you can try and encourage people to, to ungate. Cause I think a lot of people know that this is a good thing to do, but it's hard to get the buy-in from the business. Now, do things like go and see what your conversion rate on, on the, the content pages are like, you know? Mm-hmm. If it's 50% or less. There's a case that there's a lot of people just not able to consume your content. And that is really the idea of content, right? It's consumption, it's create that brand affinity, it's getting people engaged, mm-hmm. not just capturing their email address. And then looking at conversion rate from the, the leads you are getting from these you know, lower value content pieces, um, to pipeline, uh-huh. you know, you might be MQLing all of them. That, but really, is that the <laughs> the best thing to do when you're getting like a one percent conversion rate from MQL to pipeline, or even less in some cases? So look at those two. Look at those two things. Try and build that business case. And then the the the, the second part of what I just said there, in terms of um, uh, like the lead volume, that's a real tricky part of all of this right and I think we want to you know touch on that now because it a lot of companies your the SDRs and sales they're addicted to that lead mm-hmm. the current lead volume that you have um even if those you know lower intent leads and in MQLs are converting at such a low rate right yeah so what are some ways Chrissy you know let's talk about what are some ways that you can try and Align your whole revenue team around reducing leads because you are, even though the conversion rate on the page is not 100%, um, and the lead volume is and the lead volume might be high, but the conversion rate is low you're still going to like reduce a metric and yeah. no one likes to reduce any numbers <laughs> right yeah um so so what do we like what do you need to do there to align those revenue teams to be able to you know, get to the point where the sales is also and SDR is also happy yeah um with ungating
0: yeah um so I'll, I'll maybe start this out with also just talking about and and this may be a bit controversial but i do think that over time, the the use of the SDR team has gotten a bit like broken. And and but also it's it's evolved and changed. And so we need to kind of maybe change how we use that team as well. So traditionally SDR teams were used as like an extension of marketing to really mm-hmm. like qualify leads in order to get into sales. And that makes sense with a really like with your with an inbound strategy, you're getting a ton inbound um and they follow up but i think over time we found it's hard to staff those teams it's expensive and also we have a lot more data on people that we can potentially use to actually like qualify them automatically um and i'm not saying that SDRs aren't useful they are but in some ways we are super
1: useful but they're they're being directed they're being uh, unuseful activities. They're being directed
0: say. at unuseful activity. Exactly. And that's what I was about to go into. And I think you'll often find that when you have this, like, okay, we are going to gate content, that person's an MQL, send it over to an SDR team. And then now with ABM, they're like, okay, but our SDRs also need to do outbound. And a lot of the time they don't split out that role. And so it's, it's this constant battle for an SDR of, spending time on these leads that don't convert versus like doing it outbound but I'm having the marketing team yell at me for not following up on these leads and it's that back and forth and back and forth and so
1: and a lot of it is is set in this context of the volume myth that we talk Right. where it there's the there's myth in b2b that just more is better right especially in b2b tech I mean more mqls Better then let's send them more emails once they come in from content. Better sales, you know, you've got SDR. You need to email them, you know, 50 times before you recycle them. You know, you got to call, them. and it's and so it's this huge volume. But we're pushing so many low quality leads to SDRs, right? And then we're expecting them to keep up with all of that, right? So then, they, so then it's like, okay, the only way that we can, can keep up is if we buy outreach or sales loft and then have this like crazy automated sequence which is very you know standardized and going to have also low conversion rates so then you have this high volume of emails going out to this high volume of low quality leads because you're just trying to keep up and then like you said they're balancing that with abm they probably have too many target accounts that they're going after too many personas so then they're throwing all of that that, that into outreach and sales as well and to keep up they have to have a very you know low time you know per lead right which is then you know we all will get these messages right that aren't you know well thought out they're standardized no one really likes them but still we're still doing it and they're the only it's because they just have to keep up yeah right so we're just like spinning and spinning and spinning just to keep up with all this stuff but it's just we're not getting anywhere totally um so you know it's a hard pill to swallow but Maybe if we reduce the volume for a bit, Mm -hmm. spend a bit more time on each one that comes through, and they are high quality, the SDRs might be able to slow down a bit, be a bit more considered, have a bit of a better approach to really qualify and convert high quality, high intent leads, and then move them to pipeline, and then have a good amount of time left over to be able to do some really considered ABM targeting to like a more cold data, that, to me, seems like a much better strategy that's going to be successful than just throwing just too, too much.
0: Right, and um, you know, let, let's be honest, like the, the people that get hired to be an SDR, they're not really like a marketer. They're not going to be able to um spend loads of time educating the buyer we want to make sure that person is somewhat educated before it even touches someone and that's what your your website's for and when your all your content isn't gated it's likely you're going to have a great experience of educating that person so taking that role putting it somewhere else instead of landing on the shoulders of an sdr and they're not going to do the best job it's just impossible they're not set up up to do that and this
1: isn't hating on sdrs i love sdrs this, they're they're super important.
0: Super important. And, but and we th-
1: can't like it's like any anyone. I think it's because maybe a lot of people come out of college, become an SDR, maybe they're not as expensive as like an AE. So people think like their time maybe is less valuable. So we can just throw all this <laughs> yeah. stuff at them. But they're still there's not no, it's such a valuable position that can provide a huge amount of value in, within the sales cycle but they need a bit more time to be able to focus right. on each individual lead that comes through. Therefore, volume needs to be lower. Therefore we should even taking out the customer experience benefit of ungating things, mm-hmm. right? Just the, the sales experience and for the individual to people on the, in your mm-hmm. internal team, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be better. Right. right? Cause they're good. You know, the whole marketing and sales drama around you sending me shitty leads, right? Mm-hmm. Like, We've all heard that one before. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop sending them shitty leads.
0: Right. And so to, to, to circle it back, I think the conversation that needs to be had, and and this is where the expectations and and level setting of a reporting makes sense. So your, your MQL number is likely going to go down. For a lot of people who do just like straight linear modeling, where they're like, we need 30,000 MQLs in order to get this amount of opportunities, blah, blah, blah it's likely that it's just like your conversion rates are poor, which is why you keep thinking you need to fill the top of mm-hmm. the funnel. Mm-hmm. But if you start focusing on like, how do we improve those conversion rates? And a big part of that would be let's improve the quality of what enters the funnel. And that might mean the number will go down. Then you might see that and, and the SDR team is going to be measured on their conversion. So it doesn't matter if you're giving them less leads, it's just give them better ones. And then for the demand team, it's it's level saying saying, hey, you know your numbers are going to go down, but how about instead of focusing on a volume metric, we focus on a conversion metric? So let's this um, be measured on how well we can improve our conversion rates, mm-hmm.
1: Conver- and, and see if that even still impacts the the volume of opportunities, right? Cause right. That, should, that could still stay the same even if you put less at the top.
0: Exactly, and so. I think just level setting that with the team setting expectations. Cause you know, it's like expectations versus reality. So we need to let them know of like what, what impacts they'll have, but knowing that, you know, it, it could actually be better there instead of a, a, a story for your executive team of our MQL numbers going down, it's more of Our MQL numbers are going down, but our conversion rates are going up. And that's a great story. That's what they want to see because they care about opportunities and pipeline more than anything.
1: Totally. So make sure you're able to track conversion rates properly and accurately. Right. Um, And and if anything, but maybe even before you get to this point as well, if you haven't already split up your MQLs into two different types, one of them being this low quality stuff that we're talking about, like content uh, form fills. The other one being high intent MQLs like demo requests, Mm -hmm. pricing requests, contact us, et cetera, split them out, give them an MQL type, you know, in, in Salesforce or wherever your reporting lives, and then look at the conversion rate between the two and compare them. That would give you a good basis to then have the argument around, you know, while our, you know, our high, high intent MQLs are converting at like 50%, whereas our low, intent of converting it like one percent right that is a good way to you know bring this conversation to the forefront and get the ball rolling but then also once you have that infrastructure set up to be able to track your conversion rates and you do go all in on you know ungating the lower converting um acquisition sources then you can um you've already got that that trend right so you'll be able to see the trend continuing and potentially even that could start upticking even though you're tracking the same thing, but now the SDRs, like we said, have more time to focus on those and on the really high intent and be able to convert them even higher.
0: Totally. And I think just a side note for, for ops people to also think about is that if you are doing some programs where it, and maybe it means you stop doing these programs after this, but if you're doing some type of like content syndication programs or anything like that, you then need to figure out, okay, maybe we treat those people, differently as well, because it's it's going to be a little bit misleading when you're then taking someone who just downloaded something from content syndication and send them over as an MQL. It might need to be now that they go into more of like a pending state, that then they need to do some high value conversion to then become an MQL. So I just wanted totally. to throw that out there because I think that can be um, something that gets missed and is still then mixing the waters um with those lower converting needs so
1: yeah the 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 simple act of ungating gets pretty complicated pretty fast right it there's does. a
0: lot <laughs> it does but it's worth it it's worth it it's like renovating a home you know it's like it, you'll be it's a little bit you know hard during it but in the end you'll be feel a lot better you know you'll see the payoff so um okay so now that you've you know set expectations, you have your baseline reporting in place. You have expectations of what to measure. Um, the second piece I think that's super important is also making sure operationally you're set up for reporting success from a content perspective or campaign perspective, because this is one of the biggest pushbacks that you'll get from demand marketers or people who are normally wanting to see um, success from content. How do I still be able to track my content or campaigns if you know I don't have a form for them? Not sending them directly to a form for that piece of content, and that's how I was normally reporting. And so we start to push more of our clients to do this anyway. But really having rigor around your UTM, um, uh, UTM's on your links, um, and being rigorous around that. That means trying, you know, making sure they're all coded for whatever your content or campaign it is so that once there is a conversion that you're able to pass that data through. Now, you're not sending someone directly to potentially the page with that form, but there is gonna be that high value conversion point hopefully somewhere there, potentially on the page with the content they're consuming. And so what we say is you know, develop a uh, strategy where you're actually cooking those values. So this could mean working with your web developer Um, or, uh, you know, you could even license like an outside agency to help you with this, but, um, you want to make sure that when someone, you know, clicks that link, they'll go to your website once you cookie those values. So within that session, you're able to, once there is a conversion, um, tie the credit back to that piece of content, you know, what was the content that really drove their conversion? Um, and then those can expire after the session, um, or if new UTM's are present again, so then you can tie it again. Um, and so I know some of you are thinking, okay, well that's like what they actually, you know, what drove the conversion. But I want to kind of see, you know, how well people are consuming content in general. And there's going to be a lot of different ways that this might be use, you know, useful, or uh, how you want to adjust that that data. But this might need to be one of those situations where, you know, we're looking outside of just the dashboard to get some of this data. You might have to go into Google Analytics, or you might even need to work with your team to figure out, is there a way where we can host almost like our library or things, the library way where we can actually track visits to those pages or clicks on those pages. There might be, um, depending on your CMS, different ways that you can do that, but it might need to be that as far as what content is getting the most consumption, you need to look elsewhere. But at least having what is the content that's driving conversions or what campaigns are driving conversions, if you're able to cookie those values and pass them through once there is a conversion, then you'll be able to report on that. Um, So that's super important because you are going to get those questions and it becomes more around, you know, what your conversion points are, but it's, what are the campaigns or or content that drove the person to actually then do that action? Sometimes that you don't want it to inflate and just look like it's direct um, and say, okay, well, everyone's now just coming directly to our, you know, contact us. That's likely not the case. It's just, you don't have the ability to then track back the visit Um, and you're from that link to the actual conversion point. So just keep that in mind. Um, if anyone wants more details on that, there's, you can always message us and we can point you places, but yeah. So next piece, um, you now are comfortable and confident knowing that you can then report on the effectiveness of the content and campaigns. So, um, You know about the conversion rate or conversion places you know how do we optimize those um and and this is the cool part now so it's almost like making things a bit more simple which then gives you a bit more freedom kind of like for the sdr's world things are simpler for them as far as like what leads are coming to them and where their time should be directed from um operational standpoint It's nice too, you don't have a hundred forms that you then need to update, especially if you don't have a global form strategy, which (laughs) some people don't. You don't have all these different conversion um, points that you need to optimize, but you do have a few. And that then makes it so that you can actually do a lot of testing or fun things, fun ways to just optimize the conversion there. And if you have a digital team, that probably gets them excited too because they're probably focused on on that as well. And there are some cool tools that you can use for A/B testing on your website, um, doing personalization, and you can test out using a bot versus not. You can test out different language, and and you just have a few places to go to put that in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think as a marketer, that would then you know be really insightful really cool and you can show progress and and really test um which is which is the fun part of marketing i think
1: totally all right well i think um I think that's the argument right for <laughs> ungating and how to do it i mean we went through what you should gate what you shouldn't um any kind of alternatives to you know capturing that interest you know, understanding the lead volume, that's really critical before embarking and getting the whole revenue team bought into this. Um, making sure your reporting is prepared for this. You're yeah. able to track conversion rates. You're tracking UTMs correctly. Um, you're using cookies to capture those UTMs so they're not lost during any navigation around your website. And then making sure that you, you're you really optimizing where you are converting, mm-hmm. Right, doubling down on that and not being spread thin on that you know conversion rate optimization across too many different variations of your forms. Yeah, cool. Yes. There we have it. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so those are all the things um, that you should prepare for, and hopefully, that was useful for everyone who's going down this journey. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned um, and love to hear your stories if you want to share them with us. On for those of you who are going through this exercise. Um, but thanks for joining us today on Forward Thinking and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you. This is Charlie. So if you like what you heard, hit like on the platform where you watch this. Also leave a review. Honestly, we would really, really appreciate it. You can also subscribe where you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to our newsletter which is packed full of exclusive content, updates for events or courses that we might be doing, all designed to elevate your marketing operations and B2B strategy. See you next time on Forward and Forward It Up.